You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Grab your Bibles and turn them to Joshua 3. I want to, can I just talk to you for a little bit this morning before we get in? Thanks, I'll talk to Luke. Just me and you today. You guys awake? You guys are still recovering from Turkey. Joshua chapter 3, and um, we've, we're, I'm going to talk about the series that we're in here in just a moment, but I really felt like God wanted me to kind of focus in on this passage of Scripture. We've mentioned it a couple times um, over the past few weeks, and about maybe a month ago, I really felt like the Lord gave me the Scripture for our church for the remainder of the year. And uh, Joshua chapter 3, go ahead and put it up there. It says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow everybody say tomorrow can you turn me down just a little i'm sorry because i'm going to yell in just a moment i'm sure of it i told him i wasn't going to yell today but it's possible for tomorrow the lord will do amazing things among you tomorrow and i I've, i've if you've noticed over the past couple of maybe two months sunday mornings have been a little bit intense can i get uh, hello from somebody here. Hello. It's been a little crazy. And it's been a good crazy. And how many, if you've been, just joined our church in the last couple months, uh, you're welcome. Or I should say welcome. Um, but God has really been doing something specifically in us as leaders. And uh, it's also been here in the church And uh, we have felt like God has been saying it is time to truly consecrate yourselves, to make yourself sacred and set apart because God wants to do something truly amazing tomorrow. Now, tomorrow is a figurative expression for tomorrow, not today, but tomorrow. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, But what do we do while we wait for tomorrow? What do we do when we're waiting for the move of God to come you might say, well, aren't we in one? We are in one, but I believe there is another, and that's what we're contending for today. And I felt like the Lord has been saying to us, it's time to consecrate yourself. This is why we've been speaking messages about live in righteousness, about be holy as he is holy, about get all the sin out of your life, because God can't do what he wants to do tomorrow if you don't consecrate yourself today. And we need to be a church that as we're looking forward to tomorrow, we're presently focused on what he's called us to today, which is to consecrate yourself and be holy as he is holy. Because he is going to come. And and I think it was in September or maybe August, uh, we went to a conference that Todd White was putting on. I don't remember where, but somewhere in Oregon. And as I was driving there, I felt the Lord told me, said, Aaron, I want to do something amazing in your midst in the area of healing in the promised church that you are going to begin to see truly miraculous signs and wonders in ways that you've been praying for and believing for but you haven't seen yet and he really began to put in my heart to begin intercede for that to begin to pray and begin to ask for faith to be stirred in my heart because I don't know about you but I can be subject to praying prayers because I know the other person needs to hear it not because I believe it I mean know what I'm talking about here like, I'm going to pray for you to be healed. And God, I believe by your straps you are healed and the uh, blood of Jesus cover you. But I don't believe that he's actually going to get healed. Marlies and Sonny know what I'm talking about. All the rest of you are lying. 
praying for your kids like, I think you will be healed when I pray this prayer, but I don't really know. I'm tired of praying that way. I'm tired of being in a Sunday morning environment and praying for people to get healed and them get partially healed. I don't want to see that. I'm tired of praying for people out on the street and they don't get healed. I want to see people get healed every single time we pray. I want to see this church encounter healing out and about wherever you are because you're walking with the power of God every day. I want to see it. And I felt like the Lord said, I want to do it, but you've got to do Joshua 3, 5 first. You've got to consecrate yourself because tomorrow I want to do tr something truly amazing in your midst. And it, it starts with this. It starts with you and I recognizing that we are not just trying to grow wider as Christians. You understand what I'm saying? This is what a lot of us do. We hear Scott preach, and we're like, I want to be an amazing evangelist. I'm going to go try to be a great evangelist. And then we hear Jeremy come up and prophesy. I, man, I want to be a prophet. So I'm going to, I'm going to practice being a prophet. And then we hear my wife sing. I, I'm, I'm called to be a worshiper. I'm going to practice worship. Y'all ain't, so don't. And we're like, we're trying to be wide in our aspects of Jesus. All great things. All of us are called to be evangelists. All of us are called to be prophets. All of us are called to be worshipers. All of us are called to walk in signs and wonders. But we spend so much time growing in width that we're an inch deep. And then when the devil comes and he tries to push a hole through us, he pushes right through in a second. If you were to take a gallon of sand and put it and stretch it out and spread it over a yard, a box that's a, a yard wide, you could push your hole really quickly through that. If you were to take that same gallon of sand and put it in a one-gallon drum, you wouldn't be able to push your finger through that sand. This is what we do as Christians is we try to learn and we're, we're trying to do all these things rather than just growing in depth with the Lord. That's what concentra concentration looks like. That's what concentration looks like too. That's what it looks like to be consecrated before the Lord. To grow in depth with Him, not just width. And I love the fact that we're a church, that we preach evangelism we preach the prophetic we preach the holy we preach all these different things and all these things you need to learn and all these things you're called to walk in every single person in here is called to be an evangelist every one of you every single one of you is called to prophesy every single one of you is called to prophesy but not out of neglect of growing in depth with the lord i don't want to hear about you getting somebody saved and then you go look at pornography that evening I don't want to hear about you going and getting somebody saved and then yelling at your children later that day. And your marriage is a wreck and you don't tithe and you hate the world and your job doesn't, your boss hates you and you can't manage your finances well and you're, I don't care. He doesn't either. He doesn't. If he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't care about anything else. And oftentimes as believers, we neglect the depth that he's called us to have, making ourselves sacred before him. And we believe the Christian life is about activity, it's about doing things and trying to learn all we can and learning the word. If you can learn all the Bible but not know Jesus, you've missed the whole point. You need to know him, and then the Bible will make sense. You need to know him, and then evangelism makes sense. You need to know him, and then the prophetic will make sense. But if you don't know him, none of it makes any sense. It all starts with him. 
And this is why I feel like as a church, we need to begin to go into a season. And I believe we're going to be going into this season, the beginning of the year, where we focus on the depth of our relationship with the Lord, not just the width. And we've recognized as leaders that we've at times created a challenge for you to be able to do that because we haven't created enough opportunities. There's not enough time outside of a Sunday morning to sometimes create depth. You can say, well, yeah, do it on your own. Yes, do it on your own. Do it on your own. But we want to create more opportunities to do it corporately. I said this a couple weeks ago that you have lost your first love of Jesus if the only time you gather together corporately to worship him is a Sunday morning. Amen. Let me say it again. You've lost your first love of Jesus if the only time you gather together corporately to worship Jesus is on a Sunday morning. I'm going to say one more time. I saw a few more heads nod. You've lost your first love of Jesus if the only time you gather together corporately to worship him is on a Sunday morning. And small groups are great because it creates an opportunity for you to gather together to worship him and pursue him. So if you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. But we want to create a net more opportunities and more, more ways for us to create space where we're not inhibited by time, we're not inhibited by childcare, we're not inhibited by different schedules. Is inhibited a word? Thank you. I thought so. And so, starting in, we want, I just wanted to tell you about one of those today. Starting in January, every Friday night, we're going to begin to have worship here at the church. Every Friday. There'll be nine of you who clapped there, and the rest of you will figure out why you should be there. Back when I was a teenager, maybe 17 or 18, maybe earlier, maybe 15, we started doing Friday night worship every Friday. Some of you all remember that. And every Friday for seven years, I was here. Like, I think the only Fridays I missed is when I was on vacation or on my honeymoon. I was here every Friday. Now, that might seem strange to some of you, but I created a lifestyle where I didn't fit God into my life. I revolved my life around him. And that's what we're going to begin to instill in this church. Now, it ain't a requirement. You're not signing a document. But I'm challenging you. That if you want to grow deeper in him, you've got to create time in your life to go deeper. It does not happen by me speaking to you. I cannot create depth in your life. I am a great preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. But I am not that good. You have to want it. And you know how you do it? You get a shovel. Not a bulldozer. And you start shoveling a hole. Jesus doesn't give you a bulldozer. I just went through puberty right there. You have to take a shovel and dig your hole. And it happens by taking time out of your life. I need to dig my hole. 
I need to dig a deep, deep hole so that I can have a reserve where the presence of God fills me up. So whatever I go through in life, I pull from that reserve, from the presence of the Lord. So when the devil tries to punch a hole through me, I'm not an inch deep and a mile long. No, I've got depth in the Lord. And that's what we need as a church. We need to begin to set time aside to create depth in our life. And so we're going to create some opportunities. I wanted to tell you about one of them today is that starting in January, every Friday night, and there's no time limit, nor is there childcare. Amen. My kids are going to worship with me. Amen. <laughs> it's time to concentrate ourselves. I can't say the word today. Just go with me. I'm concentrating really hard right now to say that word. <laughs> oh, man. I am more hungry now than I've ever been in my life. You want to know why? Because I'm really beginning to taste him. I'm beginning to taste him like he's doing something in me that I've never felt before. And I believe it's a direct correlation to what we started back in May when Eric Gilmore came here, when we recognized we've been busy being Martha's and it's time to be Mary's. It's time to actually sit at his feet, get to know the one we've been worshiping and not care about anything else. And that's what we're inviting you into, church. Is we're inviting you into a relationship with Jesus that doesn't look like the way you've been doing it. And I'm so proud of how you've been doing it. There are many of you here who have stories that inspire me and challenge all of us, and they're amazing. But I want to look at each one of you in the eye and tell you, God's inviting you into something that you're not doing right now. Every single one of you. None of you are there. None of you are on the Hall of Fame in Hebrews. You're not there. And I'm sure you're all really good Christians, but you ain't there yet. Over the next couple of months, it's time to consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. If you don't wake up every morning to read the Bible, you aren't consecrating yourself. I'm just saying, I'm not creating laws and rules. I'm just saying. Because consecration before the Lord looks like all you care about from the moment you wake up is Him. So a result of that is going to look like spending time with Him every morning. It is an example and a byproduct of a life fully devoted to him. It's a great barometer. So if you are not doing that, that is a great first place to start. I struggle with it. I'll be real. I'm great Monday through Friday and Sundays, but Saturdays I'm like, Lord, you rested. Am I right, babe? Saturdays, I'm like, you know what? I think I accidentally forgot to set my alarm last night. I don't know how that happened, Lord. But what God wants to do in this place, I, I'll tell you, I, we had uh, Kalama prayer night last Saturday. Where are all my intercessors at? Raise your hand if you're an intercessor in this church. Where were you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> You were praying. I believe more now than ever that God wants to do something truly amazing in Kalama. 
God has put this burden on my heart for that city. I've been interceding for that city. I believe the foundation, the history of that city is broken and God's going to restore it, that he's going to rebuild it and it's going to begin through this church and it's going to begin by praying and interceding over it. And we're not going to stop meeting in Kalama to pray over that city until we see it starting to change. Each one of you need to grab hold of a vision like that. Okay? Let me just be practical. If you don't have a vision in your life that demands, that pulls on you to where you, like you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about it, then you need to meet with Jesus and you need to get a vision for your life. That vision of Kalama has nothing to do with my family, has nothing to do with my job, my retirement, my kids. has nothing to do with it. It's something that God has put on my heart for me to help advance his kingdom. Oftentimes, we get so overloaded by trying to get our family to a place, financially, relationally, physically, whatever it is, our marriage, our kids, our job, that we forget that God has called us to be a carrier of the kingdom of God. He's called us to walk in power and authority, and he's called us to disciple cities. Let me say it again. He's called you to disciple cities. And you and I need to begin to get vision for cities, for schools, for regions. God has called the promised church to be a place that is known for the power of God and the glory manifested in this place that impacts regions. Each one of you is called to have revival in your life so you could see revival in a region. A revival can't happen in a region until it happens in you. So you might be saying, well, what's my role? Revival can't happen in a region until it happens in you. You are the linchpin to the revival for a region. Well, I'm not a big prayer warrior and I'm not prophetic and I can't preach you are the linchpin to revival in a region. The sooner each one of you in this room realizes your worth and your value to seeing a move of God come to a region, the quicker we'll begin to see the greater things tomorrow in Joshua 3, 5. But it requires you and I to consecrate ourselves, which requires humility, which requires transparency, vulnerability, and it requires you to die. Every single day, dying on the altar, placing yourself there to say, Lord, here I am. Search me. Everything is yours. Because I won't relent until I see it. And each one of you is called to do the same thing. Y'all with me? What are you going to do about it? I'm really, really tired of preaching the same message. And then I talk to somebody weeks later and they don't even remember what was said. And then I say it to them and then they ask, well, what should I do about it? We're a note-taking church right now for the next 25 minutes till service is over. You should be asking the Lord what it looks like in my life to begin to go deeper into him. Don't wait for me to tell you. People will be like, well, Aaron, what do you think I should do? Ask Jesus. Start there. Well, I just feel called to this. No, you, you are actually called to disciple nations. 
First and foremost, that is your calling. You are not called to make good money. You are not called to be a great spouse. You are called to disciple nations. And out of that calling, you become a great spouse. Out of that calling, you make great money. Out of that calling, you're a good business owner. Out of that calling, you're a great friend. What's God called you to do? He's called you to disciple nations. He's called you to live like him. That's your calling. That is your calling. Nothing else. And God has been challenging me because I'm not living that way. I'm great raising a church and trying to pastor a church. And I'm, it's like I've been praying for thresholds as a church for us to reach and attain. And I was telling, I think I was telling our elders, I was like, I was praying about it one day and God came to me and he's like, Aaron, that's like Israel, your son, asking for a pencil for Christmas. Like if my son came to me to be like, Dad, you know what I really want for Christmas? I just want a pencil, like a number two or mechanical. I just want a pencil, Dad. I'd be like, dude, you want a pencil? Let's go to the store and buy 20 of them. That's what it's like sometimes when we pray to God for things in our life. He's like, you, you're praying for that? He's like, I want to give you nations. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you schools. I want to give you your family. I want to give you lives. And you're asking for pencils for Christmas. Time to think bigger. All right, turn to your neighbor and say he's finally done talking about that. All right. Grab your Bibles and turn them to Revelations 3. Revelations 3. And we've been on a series about letters to the church. This is week six. Scott's going to wrap it up next week. You're not going to want to miss it. This is week six. We're talking about the church to the letter of Philadelphia Eagles. Come on, somebody. The Eagles are in the Bible. (laughs) They're going to lose again today. Carson Wentz can't throw the ball. All right. Verse 7. Revelations 3, verse 7. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave him. And I will write on them the name of my God. Come on, let this be said about you. And he will write on you the name of the Lord and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Today, I want to talk to you briefly, and I want to speak to those who aren't there yet. Anybody not there yet? You know what I mean by there? Like, you've made it. You know, like that prayer you've been praying for for years, like you aren't there. 
if y'all don't have a there yet, uh, y'all ain't praying. Like, if you're a Christian, there's a there, and you ain't there yet because you're believing for something that is bigger than what you're capable of doing on your own. Like you've been praying for your son to finally come back to Jesus, that there yet. Or you've been praying for your marriage to not be a wreck, that there. Or you've been praying for your finances, for a city, or for a youth, whatever it is, that there yet. And I want to speak to you for a moment for those of you who have been waiting for God to actually come through. Is anybody here who can wave at me and say, yeah, I've been waiting for God to come through. Whatever it may be in your life, I'm waiting for God to move, and he hasn't moved yet. What do I do during that time? What do I do while I'm waiting? And it says in there, it says, I think it's a verse, it's a verse 10. He says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. Jesus commands you to endure patiently. Glory. Let's just thank the Lord for that blessing of a scripture. Jesus commands you. Think about that. Y'all know that the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. My wife and I, we went on a trip recently, and um, one of the hotels we stayed at, they, we got a complimentary fruit platter every day. And I, I was so excited because I love fruit, and I hate vegetables, so I was really excited. It wasn't a vegetable platter. And so they brought this fruit. Are y'all okay today? All right, can you just laugh at me to make me feel better about myself? I'm really tired. I'm still digesting turkey. And they brought out this fruit tray, and they had strawberries and bananas. I mean, they had every fruit that I loved, but there was this one disgusting-looking fruit on there. And it was like this hard shell with seeds. And I'm like, I don't want to try. We didn't know what it was. And we asked the server, we're like, what is this? And she's like, that's passion fruit. I'm like, I don't want it. It's seeds. You spit out seeds. You don't eat seeds. Anybody here ever tried passion fruit before? And so she's like, you need to try it. And so I take the spoon and I scoop out the seeds. And inside my mouth, heaven comes. And I experienced a taste that I've never experienced. I ate hundreds of passion fruit the rest of that trip. I loved it. That is what patience is like. When you look at it from the outside, it looks terrible. But when you learn how to like it, it is amazing because you realize in patience is the consecration. In patience is the preparation because you can't get the tomorrow until you get today. And today is about consecrating and being prepared and growing and going in depth so that he can bring tomorrow. If all you do is look forward for tomorrow, it will always be in tomorrow. If you start looking at today and valuing today and creating depth today and getting prepared today, tomorrow will come a whole lot sooner. This is what patience is like. Patience is looking at your life to say, you know what? I can't wait for that. But right where my feet are, I'm going to focus on. Right where he's called me to be in my family, what he's called me to pray for, what he's called me to believe for, what he's called me to work at, my job, my marriage, my kids, this season of my life when my kids are crazy, that season right now is the one that I'm called to be in. I'm not going to look forward for tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy today. 
I'm going to steward today. I'm going to dig my well today. My, I'm about ready to give you an example about something I never thought I'd give you an example about. But I've been working out. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Be prepared because there's about ready to be some muscles up here in a few months. I'm just warning you. I'm warning you. I thought I'd never work out in my life. I just went on vacation and had nothing to do. So I started working out and I realized that's why people work out because they don't have anything to do. And so I guess I started working out and now I can't stop. I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, uh uh-oh. And um, what what I do when I work out is, y'all wanted to come today to learn how I worked out, I know. What I do is I'll run on the treadmill for about a, a mile and a half to two miles. Come on. Somebody, thank you, right? A three-minute mile, no big deal. I'm, I can't lie, we're in church. Uh, no, it's about a seven-and-a-half-minute mile, seven-and-a-half-minute mile to eight-minute mile and to nine. Whatever. Shut up. All right? Be quiet. Stop it. <laughs> And, (laughs) oh man, and uh, I know it will only take me about 15 minutes to run two miles or 12 minutes to run a mile and a half. I know basically those marks, I will be at one of those thresholds. So this treadmill that I'm on, like it has a TV, like it's one of the new nice ones and there's the, I'm in front of a big window at the club. And um, so what I do is I put on my, my headphones and I listen to a podcast and I watch ESPN because God wants me to think about him and watch sports at the same time and work out. I'm multitasking. I'm growing in the gifts of the spirit. And so while I'm running and listening and watching, I'm watching also how far I've ran and how long I've ran. I got to tell you, I'm dead by like three quarters of a mile as I'm watching that. But what I've learned is when I take my phone and I place it over those numbers and I don't watch how far I'm, I've ran, I run two miles and I'm not even tired. It's the craziest thing. When I'm not watching how far I've ran, I run further. When we compare ourselves and we go according to our timetable, your life will always suck. You will run three quarters of a mile and be dead when you should have ran two miles. When I compare myself to other people, it always looks bad. When I'm gauging upon my timeline, I'm always late. I'm always behind schedule. Every time. I'm never doing things fast enough. God's never answering my prayers when he should. You and I need to begin to stop comparing ourselves to other people Stop holding ourselves to our timetable and start looking at where I'm at today is where God has placed me. If I never leave this treadmill for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. And you know what happens is I start running and stop looking at what I'm, how far I've gone. You know what I start doing? I start listening to what I'm hearing. And I start paying attention to what I'm watching. You want to know why you can't hear the voice of God and you can't see him move in your life? Because all you're doing is watching your life and judging your accomplishments and wondering why you haven't got where you should be. And you can't hear him and you can't see him. 
you're running and you're doing amazing, but you're so distracted because you're comparing, because you're frustrated, because you're judging yourself, you're judging those around you, you're looking at other people's accomplishments and wondering, why haven't I have attained that? And you can't hear him, nor can you see him. Now, maybe you're like my wife. She has to work out in a group. Got any group workouters here who can't work out by themselves? You're the only one. Everybody else is scared. They're like, if somebody else will raise their hand, I'll raise my hand because I do things in groups. I'm an individual. I'll raise my hand by myself. My wife, if you work out with her, she'll talk to you the whole time. I don't work out with her because I can't talk. We're running. She's like, how you doing? What are you doing? What do you want to do tomorrow? Let's talk about the kids. I'm like, <laughs> be quiet. I can't talk. I don't know how she does it. She can talk while she runs and works out. Full sweat. She's just carrying on conversation. I'm like, be quiet. <laughs> I can't do it. She gets motivated by having people around her push her. You, many of you, need community in your life to push you, to wait. However, you want to know who is more impatient than you are to see your answers come? Other people. They're way more impatient than you are. Right? You're believing for your marriage to change and somebody asks you, oh, is it changed yet? Nope. Next week. Still not changed? Man, you've been waiting for a while. No. I'm mean, weak. You're in it. Other people around you, they're not quite as patient with you. Abraham knew this. Abraham was told to take his son onto the mountain to sacrifice his son. We know he had his knife over his son, and then the ram showed up in the thicket. He didn't kill his son. Let me tell the end of the story before I keep talking about it. He didn't kill his son, but he was told to take his son up to the mountain to sacrifice his son. So he took two servants with him and his son, went for three days, got to the mountain, and then he told his servants, stay here. And then the boy and I will come back. Because Abraham knew if he took his servants up to the top of the mountain to sacrifice his son, they'd talk him out of it. Your people in your life that you take with you on this journey are more important than you think. Well, especially over the last few weeks, we've had a number of people, many of you come forward and say, God, I just want to go all in. God, I want to set myself apart. I want the fire of God in my life, Holy Spirit, whatever it is, you've prayed those prayers. Anybody here be like, I've prayed those prayers the last number of weeks, right? If I were to ask you who you hang out with, they would probably be nobody that is living the way you hope to live like. Like y'all come forward with snot and tears, and it's like, so who are your friends? Well, it's Billy Bob and it's Sue. Do we have any of those here? I don't think we do. And it's Larry. Larry's not here. He's here next service. Those people don't love Jesus the way you want to love Jesus. You got to change your friends. You want to know how you endure patiently. You want to know how you stay hungry. You need to hang out with people who are like how you want to be. Last week I was talking to a guy and I was like, all your friends, you need to get new ones. Now, that doesn't mean you're a jerk and you never talk to those people. You need to begin to hang around people that are like how you want to be in Jesus. Who is sharpening you? Because what happens, you get a bunch of dull people sharpening each other and you stay dull. You need some sharp people in your life. Some people who will challenge you and build you up and they'll show you, follow me. 
You need to all start writing names down in your notepad right now of people that you need to start hanging out with. You need to add people to your friends list. And you can't be sharpened over Facebook. That is not friendship. I don't know what it is, but it's not friendship. Face to face. Amen. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Everybody say run. See, you're on a race. You're on a race. You ain't walking. You ain't trotting. You're on a race. You're running. Well, I'm tired. You run. But what if I grow weak? In my weakness, he is strong. You're in a race. It's time to run. It's time to get up. It's time to run. It's time to focus on where you're running. Get on the treadmill. But I can't run and have endurance when I'm focusing on how far I've gotten and I'm not where I thought I would be. And I still have the problems I had last year. i got to stay focused on him. You want to know how these people, this church of Philadelphia, endured patiently? First verse, verse 7, because they saw Jesus as holy and righteous. They've watched him. What do you do while you wait patiently? You stay focused on him. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Focus on him, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before me endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured. You don't want to know why we can endure? Because he did. Such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Many of you in this room are tired and you're weary and you're frustrated and you quit. I could say that because I've been there. And there are areas of my life that I've given up on. And the Lord is saying, no, get up. Get on the treadmill. You're on a race. My son, Israel, is eight years old. And we have this problem right now where he thinks he's good at everything um he's just starting basketball in a couple weeks he's played a few seasons before and uh, i'm like israel you need to go into the backyard and practice and he's like alan iverson he's like practice he's like dad i'm already good at basketball i don't need to practice i'm like son you're terrible <laughs> you are not good you need to practice you need to work at it no, Dad, I, I shot for like three minutes last week. I'm, I'm good. No, you are not. We just bought him a drum set for his birthday, and uh, he practiced for a week, and he came down. He's like, Dad, I don't need to practice anymore. I'm like, get your butt upstairs and practice. You are not done. Like, he literally thinks he's good. He doesn't need help because if he does something for a few minutes, he's good. So what I did is I took him upstairs to his bedroom, and I sat down on the drums, had him put the headphones on because I don't want to hear him playing. So we bought an electric drum set, thank God. And I had him listen to me for a couple minutes. And he, I got done. I said, what do you think? He's like, that was amazing. I was like, yeah, now you do it. I can't do that. I'm like, right, because you're not good. <laughs> now, you all thinking I'm a bad parent. <laughs> I'm not a bad parent. I'm trying to, I'm not said it much better than that. I'm just trying to be funny. 
I'm like, son, you can't do that because you aren't good enough to do that. It takes work. He's like, dad, it's going to take a lot of practice. I'm like, you're right. Take a whole lot of practice. You and I, we're satisfied with good too often. We're satisfied with practicing for a couple of days, getting done and saying, I'm good. No, you aren't good. I'm a great Christian. No, you aren't. I'm a great husband. No, you're not. I'm a great father. No, you're not. You're satisfied with good. Man, the Lord's been working on this with me so much. He's like, Aaron, you think you're so great. You're good at so much, but you're great at nothing. You're wide, but you've got no depth. You want to know why? Because we don't have perseverance and to be patient for God to actually do in us what he wants to do. What we're wanting him to do is do things outside of us. But what he's saying is, I want to do something in you, but it requires for you to be patient. You want to know what hunger is? It's patience. Y'all are praying, God, I just want to be hungry for you. It's patience. It's extended patience. And oftentimes we get so satisfied with good. And God's like, no, I want you to be great, but you've got to actually put in the time to be great. You've got to put in the time. Let me read you one more verse. Habakkuk 2. You know, it's going to be good when we're reading out of Habakkuk. It says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. This is what I'm trying to do for you today. I'm trying to make it very easy. So he may run who, so he may run who reads it. Sound familiar? So he may run. Y'all running. Stop walking. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. If it seems slow, be patient. Just wait. And it's amazing how in the waiting we get strong. What does the verse say that we all stencil on our bathroom walls? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those are the ones who mount up like wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. In your waiting is actually where you get your endurance to run. Isn't that crazy to think about? Think about that for a second. While I'm running and waiting and being patient, God is actually strengthening me to keep running. Your patience is a necessity to seeing God move in your life. If you can't embrace patience, you will never get where you want to go. Scott waited for years to get where he is today. He could have quit many times. Where he's at today, coming back from two weeks in Europe, is because he was very, very patient, very, very humble, very, very low, creating depth after depth after depth. And now he can give out of the well that he has built for years. You and I are satisfied too often with width and no depth. I love that you just watched the latest video and got so excited. Tell me the greatest revelation you just figured out. But do you know Jesus? And if the answer is no, I don't want to hear about the video you heard. Do you know him? You and I need to begin to create a lifestyle where we create depth, focus on being patient with him and nothing. Wait, just wait. Waiting is crucial. Scary to say that. Waiting is important. And each one of you is waiting for something. Each one of you is waiting for your husband, 
to get with the program. Each one of you is waiting for your kids to come back to Jesus. Each one of you is waiting for your job to improve or for your finances to get better or for your health to get better or we're all waiting for something. In that waiting, that, that tension, that's where growth and development and depth happen quickest. Why don't you stand with me? It's Christmas time. Let me give you one more example. We think prayer is like Christmas. Y'all write Christmas wish lists. Ask your grandkids or children for Christmas wish lists. My kids basically know what they write down on that paper they're going to get. I knew the same thing growing up. Like if I just write like three or four things and they're not a brand new car, I know I'm basically going to get it. I just got to limit it and I'm guaranteed I'm going to get that. I don't want anything else. I just want these three things. And I know, I mean, that's basically what I'm going to get. And we wait with anticipation like we got to act surprised because Christmas is coming and I wrote three things down and then I opened up like, whoa, this is awesome. But I knew I was going to get it. But yet we're still excited and I still sneak into the room when I was a kid to make sure that's exactly what it was. And I was like, I knew it. And then I got to practice my surprise face and what? No way. Jonathan had a really bad surprise face because he was honest. <laughs> Mom, I looked. <laughs> this is, but with the Lord, we do the same thing. This is, we think it works the same way. So we write our Christmas list, our prayer list. We send it up to the Lord. and You know, it's December 1st and there's 25 days to go. And we're like, okay, God. There's my list. There's some tension and some waiting and some patience because we know we got to wait a few weeks, but then December 25th comes and we open up the package that Jesus has for us. We open it up and it's like, that's not what I put on my list. Like I put on my list for my kidneys to be healed and you sent me to a doctor. I put on my list for my marriage to get better and all of a sudden my I just lost my job. I'm not opening package that I thought I would open we are in a very bad habit as believers of thinking when we pray to the Lord to give us things that he's just going to hand it to us and we don't need to wait we don't need to persevere that he's we know best it's not his way like we put it all together God's gift for you his answer to your prayer is almost guaranteed to look differently than you think the answer to your prayer for hunger and for growth is going to look much differently than you think. It might look like you every Friday coming here to the church. Every Friday. It might look like you waking up an hour early than you do and spending it with the Lord. Because hunger, depth with the Lord, requires you to grab your shovel and to start digging. And just when you thought you've dug for 25 days and it's time for him to bring you your gift, you realize you had another two and a half years to go. The Promise Church, I believe that God's going to begin to do a massive outpouring on our church in 2020. I believe with all my heart. I'm much more excited on the outside than I'm presenting on, or I'm much more excited inside than I'm presenting on the outside right now. But I believe with all my heart that God's going to do something truly big. Is going to start in you. And I don't think any of us know what it's going to look like. 
And I don't care if y'all don't follow me. I'm running. And I'll be here every night praying and interceding for God to move. And I don't want I don't want to waste another day frustrated, wondering, could this be it? I'm going to stop focusing on my distance. I'm going to stop focusing on my accomplishments. Stop focusing on what I have seen or haven't seen. And I'm just going to run. And that's going to require my family schedule to change. It's going to require my life to change. It's going to require my wife and I, we are very busy. And I looked at her a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, babe, we got to get ready to go harder. She's like, I know. It's time to go harder. We've started jogging and it's time to start sprinting. Just close your eyes. Jesus. God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us in this room to reveal to us what it looks like to begin to dig our well deep. What it begins to look like to run this race hard. God, that each person in this room would go through a self-evaluation check with the Holy Spirit. God, you'd begin to identify areas in their lives where they've become stagnant, where they've been stunted in their growth. God, I ask that this would become a church whose passion doesn't wane. God, the words that you've spoken over us as a church, we know requires perseverance. We know requires commitment and dedication. So God, I ask that you would put patience in us, perseverance in us, each person in this room. If you've got a prayer that you've been praying and you've been waiting, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven and you've been interceding for something, for God to come and do something miraculous. Father, right now, each person in this room who's been waiting and praying, God, I ask for perseverance and faith. God, doubt, we rebuke doubt in Jesus' name. We rebuke it in Jesus' name over each and every person here who's struggling. Will you do it? Can you do it? God, I ask for faith to be deposited in this room. God, I pray for people who begin to begin to intercede for things. God, that they would even find people beginning to gather around them. Lord, that we would begin to be a community of people who don't just isolate ourselves in our prayer, but God, we'd begin to grab onto other people's vision. God, that people would begin to find strength, not just in you, but in others, strength in a community. God, that this would be a church that doesn't wane in our commitment. It doesn't wane in our perseverance. God, I just pray faith and perseverance in Jesus' name in this church. Amen. One last thing, and Luke's going to close. I didn't get a chance to say this, but commitment is one of the other things that you have to have. And I want to say this. In this next season, church is probably going to look kind of crazy. That seems weird to say because it's been crazy. But I, I just I feel like the way we do church is going to continue to adapt and to change. And I think what you're going to feel called to do is going to continue to adapt and change. And so you have to be so careful with offense. Because I'm going to stand up on the stage or my brother's going to stand up on the stage or Luke or Jeffrey or whoever is going to stand up on the stage and call you up. And we're not calling you up because we're perfect. We're not calling you up because we're looking down on you. We're calling you up because we're running. And we're saying, come on, join. You have to guard your heart. 
Because there's many of you in this room that offense is going to begin to whisper in your ear. Maybe it already has. And you're going to begin to think, well, they don't love me. They think they're better than me. I can't amount to that. Who am I? And you're judging and you're comparing the whole time. Guard your heart against the fence. Guard your heart against it. Amen? Amen. Simply talking about spending time with the Lord in the secret place, I'm reminded uh, my hero in the faith, Michael Kulionis, he, he shared that he meets with pastors all over the world. He meets with people all over the world, and he'll be in the room, and they're just pouring their heart out. This is going on. This is going on. This and this and this. And he says, the moment I ask this one question, what does your quiet time with the Lord look like? It gets really quiet. One of the number one reasons why pastors fall, why, why churches fall, why people fall on a daily basis is simply because they're not spending time with the one. He says, I find myself in places that I can't help a person because they're telling me all their problems, but they've stopped doing the number one thing they need to be doing. Spending time with the king. Amen? So I encourage you this week to simply be patient. Go before the Lord. Don't get in a hurry. Wait. Be quiet. Stop talking in the secret place. Amen? A couple things really quickly. Uh, after second service, we have Belong class for those of you that are new here that simply want to just learn more about us, want to get lunch with us, sit down with us, talk with the pastors, and, and to hear more about us. So make sure after second service, you go on up to the Northwest Room, go through those doors, up the stairs, into the Northwest Room. We'll be in there to meet with you. If you need prayer for anything, make sure you come up to the front. We're going to have the prayer ministry team over here to pray with you. And then also, if you're new guest here today in the seat back in front of you, there is a card. Fill that out. Take it back to the lights back there. There's a gentleman back there that wants to give you a, a, a bag with, I think, coffee cards. And who loves coffee in the house? Coffee's amazing, right? So if you're new, fill it out. Go back there. Get connected. And uh, we'll fill you in on what we're all about. Amen? Anyways, have a great time for the week and we'll see you the following week. Check. Hey, real quick, if you could just look at me, hold your hold your places one more second. I'm so sorry. Hold hold your places one more second. Last announcement. Grab your friend by the hand. Grab your friend by the hand. Friday. Look at him and say, Friday. It's Friday night worship. It's our last one before the end of the year. This Friday. It's at 6 o'clock. I'm going to be here. You should be here. We're going to only go for an hour. We're going to worship till the cows come home in an hour. Anyways, Friday at 6.
I have right here. 